0: You, and the checks in the mail. You get you get next week off for sure because we got all the specials coming in, uh, the Edwards and the uh, Majors and the um, Bogers. And uh, but you get next week off. But I I need you to go ahead and practice for the next two weeks. Not that you need it, but uh, be ready because uh, we're ready. Amen, church. Amen. Oh my, that sounds like a. From heaven above, uh, okay. I I I do believe that Jenny sings too. I can see you singing back there. We, oh, yeah. we, we can too. We? Oh yeah, we're listening to her. Oh we can hear her singing. You can hear her singing. So I, I we we picked this stuff up. I just watched you and knew. It's angelic, it's wonderful, and she's gonna sit behind me all the time. Wow. Well, there you go. Uh, that's how we work around here. We, sometimes I'll get up and I'll just say, because we hadn't had a piano player. One moved to Tennessee. The other one was in Milton. And so um, I'll just stand up. We'll have visitors. And I'll say, anybody play the piano? And boom, there they are. And so uh, praise the Lord. We're looking forward to Jenny singing sometime too, if she's willing. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for many blessings. Thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for our sins. Thank you for the righteousness that we receive because of it. And Lord, I just pray you'd give me the words to preach in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. This morning we went through the first 20 verses of John 13. And it's really a, a tough area to be in because it focuses so much on Judas Iscariot. Here he is, the betrayer of the Lord. Uh, it was pointed out to me this morning, I didn't mention it, but you know when he washed those feet, he washed Judas's feet. And that, that's amazing. But we looked over there at Second Peter chapter 2 where he says he bought the false prophets. So it isn't that uh, Judas couldn't be redeemed, it's that Judas willingly chose not to be redeemed. He had an opportunity. He could have repented at any time in his life and changed his course to where he was going to trust in the Lord. But no, he chose to stay the course, continue along in the deceptive tactics that he had, and try to deceive everybody, and he did a very good job. We'll see that in the first verses um, as we go through here. Look at verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit. And testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Um, One of you shall betray me. Verse 22, Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. That, That to me is amazing. Here's a devil in their midst. Here are the apostles that had walked with the Lord for three and a half years, a close relationship with Him. You should have been able to see the contrast between light and darkness, between good and bad, wicked and evil, and yet you couldn't see it because Judas was a betrayer that was very adept at deception. In chapter 2, verse 25, the Bible says that Jesus knew what was in man. You see, He knows what's in me, He knows what's in you. There's nothing hidden from Him. The Bible says the, the Word of God is sharp and, sharp and powerful, uh, more powerful than His two-edged sword, piercing into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and, and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what the Word of God does. It knows what you think before you even try to think it. it God knows where you're going with a thought. God knows where that thought's going to lead, that action whether it's good or whether it's bad. That's God. That's the God we serve. What an amazing God. Here He is. Judas is in His midst. Judas is a betrayer. He says, one of you is going to betray me, and they didn't go, (laughs) I knew it was Judas all along. Even when Judas gets up in relation to the whole scene here, in the next moments, he gets up and leaves the room. They're like, oh, he must be going to do something good. Because Judas always does good. Isn't that amazing that that's how they viewed Judas? Look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's go over there. We're going to run a couple of passages on this. Um, I told you the title of my message. uh, The unrighteous works of... uh, What was it again? Yeah, whatever you guys are saying, because I'm looking at the passage right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. The ministers of righteousness, the unrighteousness of the ministers of righteousness. That's what it is. Uh, look at verse thirteen. For such are false prophets, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Now, now think about that. I I never thought about that till just now. Transforming themselves into the apostles. That's plural, not just Judas Iscariot. There were others. You know, Paul wrote and he said, There are many which deceive in his day. There are many which corrupt the Word of God in his day. That's why you can't look at, at, at all these arguments saying, Well, the oldest and best manuscripts say this. Well, what makes them better? Well, they're older, closer to the original. Well, that doesn't work. Paul wrote that there are many deceivers. Paul wrote that there were many which corrupt the Word of God in his his time before he penned his epistles. So what were they doing? They were corrupting God's Word. They, They transformed themselves into the apostles of Christ just like Judas Iscariot. Verse 14, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great Thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose ends shall be according to their works. You have people that are transformed and deceiving people all the time. You cannot just look at somebody and say, hey, they're a Christian, I trust them implicitly. You've got to find out, hey, are they for real? Because not everybody's for real. I wish you could take everybody at face value. I wish that it was it was simple to, you know, everybody had that, you know, that stamp on them and it says, look, I'm a liar, I'm a deceiver, I'm I'm here for no good, I'm here to destroy, I'm here to use you. It isn't like that. But here's the point: what if they use you? What if people what if Christians treat you badly? How do you react? Do you look at them and go, Well, I'm gonna write off Christianity, I'm gonna write off Jesus, is what you're saying. You're going to write off Jesus because you got some bad apples in the bushel? Nothing nothing to do with that apple in that garden and that fruit salad that you were talking about earlier. Hey, they transform themselves into the ministers of righteousness. Look at Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. And let's get some advice from the Bible. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, what's the Bible say? Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. That's Jesus. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. You know, sometimes you got to try people out. I don't write people off. I I just don't do it. I you know we had a situation where you know something was you know somebody really wasn't forthcoming with some information here and and you know we, we allowed uh, them to, to to be involved and, and it's like the lie got deeper and deeper and deeper until I'm just my head's spinning. But you know even then I didn't want to write them off. I wanted to continue to minister to them. And, I, and you did too. I, I, I talked to you. Listen, we want to minister to those that need ministering. If you're only going to minister to the righteous and the perfect and the holy, you're going to have nothing to do. Because none of us is like that. None of us is without need. Listen, don't, don't write somebody off just because they, 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 they've driven that truck and hit that brick wall and instead of getting up, brushing themselves off, man, they're trying to find a way to find reverse, get back and get out there again and find the next brick wall to run into. So what? Help them. Try them. Try, try the spirits. Find out, hey, but don't write them off. You know, the Bible says that in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 12, I think it is, the signs of an apostle... Some of these guys have the signs of an apostle. you know the devil can heal? The, de- the Bible says in the last days that he's going uh, to have control of tongues, uh, many languages. Uh, so you can't look at the outward appearance and make a judgment. You have got to give things time, but you also can't walk around as the most uh, conspiratorial guy in the room. Everybody's against me. Everybody's a liar. I can't trust anybody. What a terrible life that would be. You know, when I say trust people until they give you a reason not to. And when they give you a reason not to, try to give them another chance. And another chance if you can. It doesn't mean you give them the key to your house. It doesn't mean you give them the code to the garage. It just means you don't look at people and say, I'm looking for a reason to just reject you. You know what I like about the church here? There's no clicks. Now, I've been in churches where there's clicks. I've been in churches where they say they're clicks. And, and I didn't see them, I didn't know, but boy, you know, there's a click. Well, what is, what's a click? Listen, you want to have friends, you know what you got to do? Show yourself friendly. That is the only thing the Bible says. You want to have friends, you show yourself friendly. You know what we do? Here's, here's what I warn people about all the time. I say, what happens is you perceive something and somebody else has done, and you react to your perception. Right or wrong, you react to it. You know what they do? They react to your reaction. Then you got it because now you're reacting to their reaction and now your reaction's right because their reaction was wrong. Who started it? You. Show yourself friendly. You know what I do? I, listen, I, I, when I came, you know, in, in, the, I quickly became the chairman of the ambassadors of the Chamber of Commerce. Five months here. I've got to tell you, that isn't the best position to be in in five months, when you have people that have been here their whole life. And you know what? I I heard the rumblings. I never reacted. You know what? I I just act dumb. You you, you think it's an act, but it's... What is? It is an act. But I just act like I don't even know what's going on. Why? Because it doesn't benefit me. By the way, you know what? I, I don't get that same reaction anymore. But what if I had to reacted to that and took it all personal, and took it all in, and started that bitterness? And oh, they ought to respect me. I no, it. I get it. I, I, I've been in business a long time, and people people don't always do what's best. What do you do? Don't react. Don't react. Just look at it and go. You know what? I've made mistakes, they don't understand, I'm going to give them another chance. And you go up to them, you put out the right hand of fellowship, you treat them right, and you know what will happen? Sometimes they'll come back and they'll give you a comment that will blow you away. A compliment that will blow you away. Speaking from experience, in the very instance I'm talking about, look in your Bibles at Ezekiel, well, let's not look there. Ezekiel 28:14 talks about Lucifer, that he was the anointed cherub. Now, think about it. He's the anointed cherub. What do you think he knows? He knows more than you and me. It's hard to preach to you guys over here, I got to tell you, because there's so many over here. <laughs> Bill was trying to get you all to move. Uh, it, it's, like, it's like I'm lopsided over here. I'm, I'm wanting to preach like this. He's the anointed cherub, he knows things. Lucifer, why? He was, he was perfect. I told you about this the other day. Adam and Eve were, were perfect in the Garden of Eden. That's why you can't say, well, nobody was ever perfect. Adam and Eve were. Jesus, of course, was. Lucifer was. The angels that fell were. God didn't create them and go, oh, I want to create some bad angels. He created angels and gave them a free will. Created Lucifer, gave him a free will. Created Adam and Eve, gave him a free will. Created you and gave you a free will. You choose which direction you go. The first thing you choose is whether to get saved or stay lost. You get saved, it'll change your life. You, You stay lost, you know what'll happen? You'll be just like the world. Sooner or later, sooner or later, the hen's coming home to roost. I have no idea what that means. I guess they sit on their little egg and it pops open. Okay. I talk like I know what I'm talking about every now and then, and it, it gets me in trouble. Um, in, your, in your Bibles, I, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, look at uh, verse 15. Again, remember the title of the message. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. You know what the problem is? Sometimes they're not walking around with fruit on the limbs. So they come in. What do they look like? Sheep, they come in your life, they look like sheep. They're not walking around with that bad fruit on the branches. And so what happens is, you don't know until sometimes it's too late. Or sometimes it's far along, but you've always got to be on guard. That's it, just be on guard. And listen, it's going to be worse as time goes on. There are people that, that, that would, uh, would want to hurt other people. Because they're jealous of you. Because they're they're jealous of their lot in life, which is really their choices that they've made in life. Look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 talks about uh, Paul when he was on his missionary journeys. I think this is his second or third missionary journey by the time you get to um, Acts chapter 20. And look at what he says in verse 29. Verse 29. Acts twenty twenty nine. "'For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn one night and day with tears.' And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. He said there are going to be men that are going to rise speaking perverse things. They're going to draw away disciples. He says, watch and remember that I warned you that, and I warned you that, and I warned you that. I may not be around forever. Guarantee it isn't, it, you know, I'm not going to be around forever. But what, what do you do? Be forewarned. Be forewarned. I, I don't. I don't want to live this life suspecting everybody. Though, oh my! I would hate to live like that. In fact, I give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I I, I don't know if I can tell you that story or not. Um, I was going to hire somebody and they, and they lied to me. First time I met him, and I told my wife, I said, "He just lied." And then, you know, I hired him because, listen, I can deal with it. I can deal with what I know. And, and, and you know, I didn't confront him. I, I just told my wife, I, I knew. You know, I hired him, I, I used him, I, I, you know, had to catch him four times trying to cheat. Uh, but you know, I saved a lot of money in the in the project, and, and and that's what I was looking for. And I was looking at trying to minister to him, and and, and trying to do that. But you know, I, I knew what I had going in. The problem is if you don't accept it. You know, people that get 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 bit by um, uh, one of those guys that stock market or they, they deceive people. What do they call them? <laughs> Lawyers and politicians I've got so far, uh, charlatans, that's a good one. Keep going. I, I mean, you guys are what? Traders. Inside. Inside traders? No the guy in the, the guy in Birmingham was one. you remember? Not a broker. I'm talking about somebody that's bad, but he's deceptive. Uh, it doesn't matter. Golly, you guys are Hey, Bill, it's cool. What? Yeah, that's that's probably pretty good too. But but they come in and they and, and their goal is to deceive you. Uh, Mat- Matty, what's his name? Uh, Matt Madoff. He was one of them. So what did he do? Ponzi schemer. You know, I mean, here here you know he ripped people off, and you know what many people cannot accept is the fact that he cheated them, knowing that he cheated them. That was going to be the point. Thank you for all the input. The point is this. Have your eyes open. Don't look at it and go, well, you know, I'm just smarter than that. I, I, I'm sharper than that. I'm more brilliant than that. And therefore, it can't be. Do you know that, that a lot of people that are deceived by that, that's the position they take. But again, I, I don't want you to think you've got to walk around here just, every, you know, th- thinking that everybody is bad. They're not. Galatians chapter 2 talks about false brethren. 1 John 4 talks about trying the spirits and so on. But going back to, to the book of John, John chapter 13. I gave you that because of Judas Iscariot. I gave you that because here he is in a group that probably should have known more than any other group ever alive about the Word of God because they were around... The incarnate Word of God. And yet they couldn't see it. Because He was that good. Because the Bible says in John 6, He was the devil. Here in this passage, a little bit early, it says, uh, verse 2 of John uh, John 13, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Him. You see, he, He gave His heart to do evil. But there are other people like that. So you have to look at that and you've got to say, listen, there are people that give their heart to do evil. I, I'll tell you, those rock stars and those, uh, s- some of those people in Hollywood, you know what they do? They say, hey, all I want is the fame. He gives them the fame and he says, look, I'm finished with you. They say, what all I got to do? Give me your soul, give me your heart, give me your life. And then he gets to do their bidding. He tells them what to do. Judas Iscariot was like that. He gave over his heart to do evil. Look at verse uh, 23 of John chapter 13. Now, there was leaning on his on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That's John. He never names himself. That's good. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it is should be of whom he spake. Now, I want you to envision this. There's... there's there's John. He's got his head on Jesus' breast, and, and Peter's somewhere around here. What, what, what's Peter doing? Tell us who it is. Tell us who it is. I want to know. Us, ask him. I mean, can you? I mean, what is he doing? It's Peter. I mean, Peter can't go. Hey, John, ask him who it is. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that. So you got to imagine Peter. You know, whatever. I mean, he, he, just just for a minute, imagine Peter. He's now he can't really speak, so he's probably got to just verbalize it with his lips. You know, and 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 I. So today I'm sitting here looking at that, going, you know, he beckoned him. Didn't say he asked him. He beckoned him. What did he do? I don't know, just make your just just let your imagination flow. You now have a better picture or or at least a a, a deranged picture that I gave you of what it probably looked like. Here's Peter. I mean he, Peter's Peter wants to know why? hey, Peter's going to take out a sword and cut off Malchus' ear whenever they took Jesus' prisoner. He said, I'm willing to die for you. And I believe that Peter was. He rejected the Lord three times because God knew what was in his heart. God knew he wasn't going to be able to withhold and withstand all the pressure. But yet he was willing to die for him. Man, i bet if Peter would have found out right away who it was, Judas wouldn't have gotten outside that room. That wasn't going to be. So Jesus just... You know, John's right there in his bosom and he says, the one that I, that, that, that I dip the sop to, or the one I give the sop to. So now John is, is watching. Here's the sop. He gives it to him. Maybe it wasn't immediate. Maybe it was a little bit later. We don't know, but look at what it says. Verse 24, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when He had dipped the sop, He gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. By the way, we don't know what He dipped it in. We were talking about this after the service. We don't know. He dipped the sop. He said, oh, it was the the wine. Not fermented. Jesus wasn't getting drunk with them. Fermentation takes time. He probably said, you know, this is my body. And He took those grapes and He squeezed those grapes into that into that uh, cup, that's probably what he did. I mean, it was fresh. <clears throat> and he wasn't dipping it in there. You don't dip in that. It's probably oil or hummus, whatever we, you know, what we were talking about it after the service this morning. could have been anything like that. But he dipped the sop. He gave it to Judas Iscariot. Verse 27, After the sop, Satan entered into him, then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. That thou doest, do quickly. He knows what He's going to do. Can you imagine Judas taking that stop and then Jesus saying, Hey, what you getting ready to do? Hurry up. Don't take your time. Why? He was already determined to do it. He had gone the point of really no return, although He still had a choice up until the point that He went and betrayed Him. Up until the point where He brought those soldiers to Jesus and kissed Him on the cheek. He had up until He kissed Him on the cheek, He had an opportunity to change. But he chose not to. Verse 27, And after the sop entered into him, then Jesus said unto him, That thou doest do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. See, Peter doesn't know yet. John does. Well, no, no. John doesn't know what's getting ready to happen. He just knows that the betrayer is Judas. Because it just says, No man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him, but it was it was the betrayal. Verse 29 For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that ye he should give something to the poor. Very commendable things, but look, it's just speculation. You know what your biggest problem could be is if you speculate too much. You know what speculation will get you in trouble with? It <laughs> could be everything. What you're thinking may not be right. Well, they did this because of this. What are you going to do when you think they did this because of this? You're going to react to it. When you react to it, what are they going to do? They're going to react. Then you're looking at it and see, ah, oh, told you. I knew it. They're bad from the beginning. No, you caused that reaction. Again, I try to tell people all the time, listen, listen, just, we were talking about the song, you know, give, give me some grace. You didn't need any, but we would have given it to you if you did. He's saying, hey, give me some grace here. I haven't sung for a while. You know, listen, I, I can't even imagine doing that. I mean, I, I guess if I go back to speech class and I go, what's it like to stand up in front of a crowd and speak? And I wanted to run out the door. That's where I was way back then. Not that you're there, but you're, you know there's some apprehension there because it's been a long time. Mine was apprehension because I never wanted to do it again. I was like, I'm going to die. I will literally die. I told the professor, I'm going to die if you make me do speech again. My voice is cracking I'm thinking, man, I'm making a fool of myself. She says, don't memorize the speech. I memorized the speech because I knew I couldn't do it without memorizing, but I couldn't remember a thing. It was tough. She said, here's her words. She didn't react to what I said. You know what she said? She said, I'll watch and see if I can tell that I'm nervous. My voice is cracking. Everybody heard my voice crack. And it it was the most comforting... She lied to me. (laughs) She deceived me. And it was the greatest thing she could do. Sometimes as a teacher, you got to be careful as to your methods. Uh, But anyway, it, it, it worked out. I was called to preach a couple of months later and overnight everything changed. Verse 30. He then having received the sop went immediately out and it was night. He ends up in darkness alone. That'll happen to you. Judas leaves. He rejects the light. He moves away from the light and goes in the darkness. Verse 31, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in Him. If God be glorified in Him, God shall also glorify Him in Himself and shall straightway glorify Him. Do you understand the point of this two passages right there? I think it's the glory of God. I mean, look at it. Glorify, 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 glorify. Five times. And then if you you just look over at John 17, I call, as I said, it's Jesus' prayer. It's it's really uh, the Lord's prayer at that point in John 17. I'll tell you what, turn over there. Let's just run through a little bit of it right now. John 17, Jesus praying. Really the Lord's prayer is here in verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. Verse 4, I have glorified Thee on the earth and I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou Me with Thine own self with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. You see that context there? Look at... um, Verse 22, the same chapter. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 24 again, it goes on glorifying him. And that's what that whole thing's about. Listen, he's getting ready to be, go back to the glory where the Father is. What an amazing thing. He's willing to go to that cross. He's willing to die. He's willing to shed His blood. He's willing to take our sin upon Him who knew no sin that we might be made the righteous of God in Him. Wow. Amazing. All this because He loves you. And He loves you then, He loves you now. God is up in heaven right now saying, Help me bless you. Help me bless you. And that's what He does. We sometimes have a a, a bad concept of God. That God is up there with a sledgehammer just waiting for you to mess up. Bam. 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 That's not God. If it was God, do you realize that you wouldn't have made it through one day of your life without having that banging on your head? God had not been the one banging on your head. Most of the time it's us. We do it ourselves. We bring it upon ourselves. And then we think all these thoughts that, you know, God's against me. God's not against you. God's for you. God wants you to glorify Him. And He wants to be glorified through you, through your life on this earth every single day. And the more we glorify Him, the better off we're going to be. Because that's the relationship that matters. We'll go ahead and look at a few more verses and be done. Look at verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, to the Jews he said it, whither I go ye cannot come, so now I say to you. He's saying, look, you can't come with me right now. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Christ set the example. He loved us when we were yet enemies. He loved us when we were ungodly. He loved us when we were sinners. And He died for us when we were enemies, sinners, ungodly. He died for us in that state. He didn't say, Get your life fixed up and I'm going to accept you. He said, I'm going to accept you as you are. Trust me, I'll forgive your sins, I'll change your life. I'll come in and live inside you and guide and direct and lead you if you'll only trust. Verse 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. How how do you know a disciple? If ye love one another. I'm sorry, if ye have love one to another. You know how I tell whether somebody's a disciple of Christ? I look at their fruit. If their fruit is the fruit of loving one another, they are truly a disciple. There are groups around the country now, they have no concept of love, they have no concept of charity, they have no concept of what it means to be a disciple of Christ, and they're going around and destroying people's lives. For what? Well, no-press-is-bad-press type of philosophy? I can get known. How do I get known? By, by, by uh, learning my Bible and, and going out on the street and talking to people or talking to people at work or, or, or just ministering one-on-one. Oh no, nobody will never, ever know who I am. How do I get the most publicity? I say the most outrageous thing. That's not a disciple. The Bible says, if you have not charity... You're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. The greatest of these is charity. Charity is a certain type of love. You don't change it to love, because love's in the Bible. It's charity. And and, and we haven't studied it out, and I'm not going to get into it tonight, but let's go ahead and um, look at verse 36. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Going back to the original question. Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now. That's the key word. But thou shalt follow me afterwards. Boy, that's a promise and assurance of salvation there. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? Remember, he's the one that said, "Don't Don't wash my feet. And he says, Wash my feet, my hands, everything. I mean, Peter, you know... Again, just picture Peter trying to find out who Judas Iscariot is. You want to have a good time tonight? You get home and you sit around with your spouse and you act it out. You say, what do you think it looked like? Man, I'll tell you what, I want to hear some of the story. In fact, video it. Put it on social media, oh Lord. Yeah, Kathy, you're invited over to our house. Find out what, it, what, what we want to see. What you got? We want to see how how you how you think it is. Listen, Peter, means well. But Peter, the word now is the key. We're going to see each other again. I'm not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. Peter says this, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. You know, I believe Peter believed that he would. And you know, I believe Peter would have done it. Jesus said, put up your sword. Jesus answered him, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. You're going to deny me before, before everybody's out of bed in the morning. Three times. Now what's Peter's reaction? I don't think you need to act that one out. Heartbroken, he had never heard Jesus say anything that didn't come to pass. Wow. That's a sobering thought. You're gonna deny me three times, Peter, before the cock crows. And Peter's sitting there thinking, No, I'll die for you. Peter even tries to prove it in the Garden of Gethsemane. When they come, when the when the soldiers come up, he takes out his sword and he listen, think about it. He cut off the ear with a sword. How do you do that? You don't go like this, you know. And stop before it hits the he, you know you know what he did? He went across like this, and Malchus put his head down, and he just took off the ear. You know what he was going for? Why? Because he's ready to fight for his Lord. You know what Jesus has to do? He's got to fix Peter's problem. You're getting ahead of me. I'm going to the cross. I told you you can't go where I'm going now. you'll follow me thereafter. So he takes the ear and he puts it back on. You know what? Peter might have gotten mad. You know what? Peter may have reacted to what he thought was a rejection by the Lord. And when he was there, he looked at it and he said, I, 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 I'm not going to, I'm not doing, I don't understand. I'm confused. No, I'm not with him. No, I'm not with him. Blankety blank blank. They said, Your speech berayeth you? He said, I'll show you my speech. I can talk like a sailor. I can talk like a fisherman, and I'm going to put out some words that nobody'll ever say I was with Jesus. And guess what? Nobody else came up after that, but the cock crew. Hmm. I guess he crewed. Did he crow? (laughs) I think he crewed. I think the Bible says the cock crew, but I don't know. Uh, You got when you're getting older, you you got to read it this morning in order to have it tonight. It's just like names. I got Jenny because Tim is such a great he gave me such a great analogy. So anyway, I got it so so thank you for that. And listen, thank you for being here tonight. We're going to go ahead and have an invitation moment with some music and just you pray and you ask God to help you have the right attitude every day because it's so important. Let's all stand together as the music plays.